good morning. It is so great to be here with you today to start a new series with you called Overcomer. And before we get into the word the Lord has put on my heart, as this Wednesday is Remembrance Day, I feel like it's very, very important that we take a moment of silence here to honor those who have given their lives for our freedom and those who continue to stand for our freedom. So if you would just stand up right where you're at, we're going to just take a moment here and just honor them. Father God, today, we thank you for our freedom, even though we know it was not free. Lord, it was paid for, first of all, by your blood on the cross, but secondly, by the blood of men and women who served to pay the price so that we could have the opportunity to be able to honor you, to worship you, and praise you. Lord, we thank you for them, and Lord, we want to be those who never forget but always are thankful God, for what you do. And so, Lord, today we pray for their families. We pray for their loved ones. We pray for those who have lost people, those who have people that are serving. God, would you be with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that today. You can be seated. You can be seated. As I begin our, our, our message here today, who here is like me? Would, is, is the sound all right? We all love the story of an underdog, don't we? Somebody who, a person who against great odds overcomes either a great debilitating health issue or a, a great injustice or is a team that, that conquers or an army that conquers an overwhelming enemy. It's things that we, we look forward to. We enjoy those types of movies. In fact, Hollywood has made millions, probably billions of dollars over the last decades about underdogs, people who have overcome all odds in order to become a, a champion or to overcome things. And whether it's a superhero or it's an average Joe, we recognize these moments and celebrate them. We celebrate the underdog. Now, most of you know that I am an avid sports fan. I, I love sports. I don't think it's any secret. I talk about it. I share stories about it all the time. And one of the things I also love to do is coach. And for Many years, uh, I have been a part of this community, the Northeast community. I've been here for over 26 years. This is my 27th year being in this part of our town. And, uh, and I've coached both basketball as well as baseball. Now, basketball, soccer, and football are popular port, uh, sports in this part of the city. But baseball has been on the decline for many years. It's, it's because uh, it, there's just so many things that affect that. And because it's been on the decline for so many years, my son played in a little league that was probably the smallest, if not the smallest league in the whole city. And so when it came to playoff times, 
And because you have to understand this, the way that Little League works is you play your season, your regular season in your group, and then at the end of the year, you, 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 they pick a team of all-stars, and they, they go and they play against other leagues. And, and, and when it came time for playoffs, we would end up competing against other Little Leagues that had registrations that were always larger than us, more than the, that we could handle. Some of them were three times bigger, five times bigger, even ten times larger than the registrations we would compete against compete against. And so it was, a, it was a daunting task to sometimes even believe that we could win. So when my son was 10 years old, I was asked to manage his all-star team. And I didn't really realize how challenging things were. First, we had to beg kids to play just to have the minimum amount of players to make a team. You know, when I was growing up, when it came time for baseball and all-stars, we'd have five, six times the amount of kids that wanted to play. Everybody was vying to be on that team. Well, that's not how it was here. We actually had to beg kids, would you come? Would you, you make the sacrifice to play for a, another month? And it was like ugh, pulling teeth out of them sometimes. We had parents, for those who had kids that were maybe in the upper tier, we had parents who thought their kids were major league material. And they would fight with each other during games and practices and online and in social media. It was, it was quite an amazing thing. I didn't realize how crazy it was big, how, how crazy it was. We had a league also that thought it was important to give every player the exact same amount of playing time, whether they showed up for practice or not, whether they had a good attitude or not. And, and it was just, a, it wasn't a great uh, scenario, but... What was worst of all, losing was not, only, uh, was not only something that was accepted, it was expected. It's just what they believed they needed to do. And the league stated to me when I took over this job, and they said, hey, would you be the coach? The object here is not to win, but to make sure the kids have fun. Why do you play a game if the object is not to win the game? And I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody that has fun losing. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that we should be obsessed with winning to the point where we try to win at all costs or, or that we only play the top players and we, we don't work with all the kids that are there. But I believe we should go about doing anything we desire with the expectation to compete and do our best. Can I hear an amen to that? Whatever you're doing in your life right now, you should expect to, to be your best. You should expect to be successful. Why do things if you're like, well, I'm just a loser and I'm not going to make it anyways. And if we lose, if we don't reach our goal, we do it with a good attitude, but we just don't give in and accept defeat without putting up a fight. You see, that's what being an overcomer is all about, that we are willing to put up a fight regardless of the situation. So here's what happened. Fight we did, and would you know it? You, could you believe it? We ended up in the city finals against the biggest and baddest team in the city. A team that had won the city championship for 10 straight years. They, they were used to winning. They expected to win. They came from, um, I would just say this, maybe they had a little bit more money than we did. And so they had the nicest uniforms and the nicest equipment. And it was, it was definitely, uh, there was a disparity between what we had and what they had. They drew from, they were the league that drew from 10 times the amount of players that we did. But here we were playing for a championship. 
Now, as the game began, we started out really hot. Things are good. We went up by three runs in the first two innings. We were up and we were leading and we were feeling really good about ourselves. But you know, they weren't the city champions for nothing for 10 years. They knew how to play baseball. They knew what they were doing. And it says the game wore on. They finally tied us. And then they went ahead of us by four runs until we were in the bottom of the fifth inning. Now, in Little League, you only play six. It's not nine like you see in Major League Baseball. So we were running out of game. We were down by four runs, and things weren't looking good. In fact, they brought in their very best pitcher, the kid who shut everybody down. And would you believe it that we ended up scoring Six runs that inning. One of them on a grand slam home run. It was like the most unbelievable thing. Our kids were, were going crazy. They were going nuts. They couldn't believe it. We went from being behind to now all of a sudden we were ahead. But as the home team, they still had one more chance to bat in their half of the sixth inning. But we had our best pitcher. And so everyone was on pins and needles as the first guy came up, strike one, strike two, strike three, he was out. The next guy, strike one, strike two, strike three, he was out. And we were down to the last batter, strike one, strike two, strike three, he was out. We'd won. We'd beaten these, the little team. David had defeated Goliath. I mean, I was using everything that I knew to motivate our kids and our, and, our, and our families, the smallest team in the city had overcome the greatest odds and defeated a team that everyone said couldn't be beaten. I still remember the league president running up to me, tears in her eyes, crying, saying, I can go to the league meeting this year and nobody's going to make fun of me. Overcomers. We're called to be overcomer. Today as we start a new series called Overcomer. I want you to understand this. Nothing that the enemy set, has set before you was meant to stop you. But you were called to be an overcomer. You are an overcomer today. I declare that by the glory of God, that you are a winner and you can overcome any challenge set before you by God's grace. So the word overcome is defined as this. To conquer or to subdue. To get the victory or to prevail. I think we all have some areas in our life where we could use some victory. Am I telling the truth here? Places where we know that there are some things where we maybe haven't seen things go the way or where we could use some prevailing, where we could prevail some more in some areas. Maybe it's in our attitude. Maybe it's in the way that we think, that we, we realize there's some things that it's time for some things to be subdued and conquered in our life. And today as we start our series we're going to look at one of the greatest overcomers in the Bible. His name is Joshua. Joshua, how God used this man of God to conquer an, uh, an untamed land filled with giants, large cities, and fierce people. But all, God also used him to conquer some of the greatest giants inside of himself. Fear, barriers and limitations, defeat, being defeated along with betrayal, and deception. Hey, if you've lived life long enough, you might be in the process where you are battling with some of these giants yourself. Maybe today you're experiencing some fear in your life as you look around at the world around you. There are things are, that are kind of seem like they're out of control. I'm here to tell you today, God has called you to be an overcomer. 
And so we're going to see over the next few weeks what God has called us to do and how we can live as we're overcomers. I just want to pray today, if I can, as I lead into our scriptural part of our message. Father, I thank you today for every single person that you brought here. Everybody that's listening to my voice online, God, I thank you for them today. And Lord, we ask you today, Father God, that you would help our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our heart to be able to receive everything you have for us. Lord, I pray that people would understand, God, that you have not called them just to survive, but Lord, you've called them to be victorious in every part of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, 1 to 4 today, as we talk about Joshua being an overcomer. Here's what it says in Joshua chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the trap camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them, since you've never traveled this way before. They will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a, a clear distance between them and you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. I want to talk for a minute a little bit about who Joshua uh, was as we begin to unwrap what is happening here in this scenario, you first of all, we have to understand that Joshua was one of the 12 spies that went into the land 40 years before this was taking place to see what the, the promised land that God had promised the nation of Israel, that they were going to take it. And he and Caleb were the only two that gave a good report. And because of that, they were allowed to enter the land. Everybody else was told they were going to die in the wilderness. And so here we are. Joshua is a man that is about ready to lead the nation of Israel into their promised land. But there's some things that I think would maybe be a little bit challenging for him. First of all, he was following after probably, the well, the only leader that Israel had, but an incredible leader that, that, had some in, that was able to do things that most of us never could imagine. That Moses was a man that talked directly to God. He met with him face to face. I mean, he was powerful. He performed miracles. They, 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 he had been with a nation that for 40 years their clothes never wore out. They were fed every morning by manna that fell from heaven on the ground. I mean, there were miracles going on around him. And now he was at a place where not only had the miracles like that, had they stopped, they weren't getting manna anymore, but Moses and Aaron, two people that had surrounded him that were his support system, were no longer with them. He was now called to lead this great nation, and, but do it without having the people around him that he'd always known. Could you relate maybe to some of that in your own life right now that there are things that you're dealing with right now that you don't have the same group of people around you? Things are a little bit different. They're not what they seem before. You see, I, I, I have no doubt that, that Joshua probably had some moments where he got, not only was he excited, but maybe he felt some anxiety. Maybe he even was a little bit fearful. And not only that, where God was taking him, 
where God was leading him and the nation of Israel, where he was supposed to lead other people. He'd never been there before. It was unfamiliar to him. It was things that he didn't know. He didn't know how, what, what, was, what, what to expect. Everything was changing. I feel like our world right now has been turned upside down. And where we're going, we don't exactly 100% know. <laughs> what is ex- we're experiencing even in the church is not what we normally would experience. I, 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 I sense this even in my spirit prophetically that we're, we're in a season of transition from one era of living to a new era of where the Holy Spirit is going to be. And it's, it's exciting, but it's also a little bit daunting and scary at the same time. Joshua's heading to a place he'd never been before. You see, things that are unfamiliar can create fear. Change can be difficult or unsettling. We as a church, like I said, we've never been this way before. We've never had to deal with, the, with social distancing and, and all sorts of other things before. We've never had to worry about so many changes. And where is this all going? You see, what you're dealing with in your life, with your life right now, or situations and things you've never had to deal with before. And if we're not careful, it can begin to take us to a place where we're afraid, where there's fear. Have you ever heard this acronym for fear? False evidence appearing real. That fear is false evidence appearing real. You see, fear always plays on the negative situations and embellishes them in our lives, doesn't it? Man, you can't go there. Things are going to be really bad. Oh, I don't want to go there because it's going to be bad. Well, you don't know what it's going to be like. Fear can be a powerful and even debilitating emotion. Now, the story I'm going to share with you right now is not a story that I'm proud of. You know, I wish I could say that what I'm going to share with you, I was like, five years old, because that's what you pretty much have to be to believe what I believed. I was actually in college. When I was in Bible college, I worked at an auto parts warehouse stocking shelves. Now, stocking shelves is typically reserved for newbies, people that are new in the job. That's where you start. You sweep floors and you stock shelves if you're in a warehouse. One day, one of my coworkers decided to play a prank on me. And he told me that they had received a shipment of aerosol cans that someone in the warehouse who was angry with the company, who was really upset, had booby-trapped one of them. He turned one of the cans into a bomb. And that I needed to be careful. Oh, yeah, you're laughing right now. Because you, 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 you wouldn't be fooled like I was, but I was. And I don't know if I was young or dumb, but somehow I fell for his shtick. And sure enough, I grabbed the can that had been modified, that there was tape and different things on it. And, 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 it, and it looked like it was one of those bombs that he'd been describing. And, and I want to say this, that at that moment, all rational thought had left me. Have you ever been in a situation where you're so afraid that all rational thought just leaves you? Doesn't make sense to you. And here I stood, I was frozen. I literally was frozen. I didn't want to move. So I didn't want the bomb to go off. And I was sweating profusely. And I was just sitting there like, 
that droplet of sweat. It's like mission impossible. It's going to set off the sensor when I'm going to blow up the warehouse and myself. The fear was so real, even though the whole incident, listen to this, was a joke. Isn't that true? Fear can cause us to freeze in our tracks. Can cause us to stop what we're doing. It can see. Here's the problem with it: is it, 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 it its design is to keep us from moving forward, to to going into where God has called us to go. It can keep us from moving forward towards growth or even our destiny. It keeps us stuck where we are at. So many people I know are stuck right where they're at. They're afraid, and I'm here to tell you that your fear isn't necessarily based on rational thoughts. You see, not only can fear freeze us, but it can cause us to panic. And what is panic? Well, panic is where we allow our emotions to run wild. Actually, the definition of panic is a sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety, often causing wildly unthinking behavior. Yeah, I've been there. And panic left unchallenged will lead us to make poor or irrational decisions. See, today, whether you're feeling stuck or unable to move forward in your life or your spirit is in a state of constant emotional turmoil, your emotions are spinning out of control, I'm here to tell you today that God has called you to be an overcomer. That God's desire and his design in bringing you here today is that you would overcome fear. And here's the thing that we have to understand. It's not that fear all of a sudden just disappears. Fear is something that we have to deal with all the time in our life. We have to face it. But here's the reality. It's learning how not to be controlled by fear. That we say no to fear and yes to God. That we say no to fear and yes to our destiny. That we say no to fear and yes to our future. You see, I'm less worried about the virus right now and more worried about how people fear the virus and how it's controlling people. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, fear not for I am with you. It's his promise that he's with you. Did you know this? This is something that is amazing. That fear not is listed in the Bible 365 times. How many days in the year are there? Why? Because God knew each day we need to tell ourselves, fear not, fear not, fear not for I'm with you. You see, I believe that today God wants to help us overcome the spirit of fear. So how do we overcome fear? I've got four things that I want to share with you today. You can write these down. Number one, understand that God is with you. Understand that God is with you. I know that you're like, oh, that's so cliche, Pastor. I've heard that before. When I was growing up, I would stay with my grandparents And uh, I would spend some time with them. And every morning between 6.30 a.m. and 7 a.m., I could hear my grandmother on the phone. It was an amazing thing. Um, Because she had hearing issues. (laughs) Anybody have a grandparent like that? And she was German. She was loud. I mean, she didn't care if she woke up the neighbors down the road. It was just the way that it was. And she would talk really loudly. And one day I asked her who she was talking to. Why, why did she do this every day? And she said that she was talking to 
her one sister, and they did this every day. And that throughout their whole life that they had made a point of talking to each other no matter where they lived, no matter where they were, that they would spend this half an hour talking to each other. And it was such a comfort to her and encouragement to both of them to get through all of the challenges that they faced in life. Isn't it true that it's easier to face challenges when we know that we're not alone? When we understand that we're not alone? See, here's what I want you to understand. You do not only have a friend, the Bible says, but you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is here for us, that Jesus walks with us, that Jesus desires to to be a part of everything that we're doing. You see, I believe this, that too many Christians struggle to understand how much God really loves them. They somehow have this belief that, that God doesn't like them very much, like that he tolerates them. I, ha- I lived through a part of my life where I thought, well, God just kind of tolerates me. <laughs> you know, I'm part of the family, but I'm kind of that, that member of the family that's just, you know, he tolerates you. And it's, so, it's such a lie that God desires to be with each and every one of us through all of our things. You see, sometimes we can struggle with if we have a poor God concept in our life that somehow God is distant or uncaring. Or worse yet, that he's judgmental. That when we go through things, it's because he wants to punish us and discipline us. You see, a good understanding of God starts with understanding that God has good intentions towards you. People, we say this in church, God is good all the time. So if God is good all the time, then all the time God is good. See, God has good intentions for us. And even when we fail God is still with us. And even when we face discipline, it's because God loves us. Romans 8, 15 says, So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. That God's desire for us to understand that he's with us, that he's there for us, that he loves us like a the the most genuine father there is. You see, because God has a father's hearts, he wants you to do well. He wants you to be successful in everything that you do. Genuine fathers want good things for their kids. Never met one that didn't. I met some fathers that were bad fathers that still wanted good things for their kids. Okay, can you hear that? They didn't want to see their kids struggle and suffer. You see, Joshua could face his fears because God was with him and God had promised him success. Joshua was an overcomer because he knew God was with him. Secondly, this is going to be a fun one, how to overcome fear. You need to have a healthy fear of God. Oh my goodness. Pastor Todd, you sound like those politicians that I hear on TV. That sounds a little bit like double talk here. Now, what you're, you're telling us that we're We're not supposed to be afraid, but you're saying that we need to have a healthy fear of God. I I don't know if I'm down with that. I'm not saying that you're actually to fear God. What I'm saying is this, that we're to value God's opinion or perspective over the opinion or perspective of anybody else. 
You see, the fear of God is when I say, God, I want to know what pleases you. How do you feel about this situation? How do you, well, what does your Bible say about this in my life? What is your perspective or your, or your opinion? I'm going to defer every other opinion to you. That's the fear of the Lord. Here's my question. What has God told you? In your life? What has God said about you? What does God say about marriage? What does God say about your future? What has God told you to do? You see, obedience overcomes fear. Why? Because obedience is faith in action, and fear and faith cannot be together. They're not, they're not compatible. And faith is the opposite of fear. So you see, too many people look to see what other people think. Oh, what, what's their opinion? Oh, oh, what, what, what's, what's social media saying today? Oh, uh, if I share this opinion, nobody's going to like me. And oh, boy. Oh, you know, and, and so all of a sudden we live our lives running from this or that, hearing from this person or that person. And what God's saying, if you want to overcome fear, and I'm going to tell you, it will lead you to a crazy place if you're always trying to please people and not please God. Saul was rejected as the king of Israel because he feared the opinion of people rather than the fear of God. That was really his ultimate sin. You see, in 1 Samuel 13, he was surrounded by his fiercest rival. And in, 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 in God, or I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel 15, he was at the place where he had was going to battle against the Amalekites and God had told him that he needed to sacrifice everything. He needed to destroy everything. But what did Saul do? He ended up saving the best of the animals for himself. He, the king was allowed to survive. Why? Because the opinions of the people around him were like, Saul, don't destroy this stuff. This is good stuff. We can use this. We can even use it to make sacrifices to God. Oh, and what did Samuel say? Saul, you failed. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. God wants our obedience. If you look to the opinion of people rather than God, you will always be afraid. I'm just going to tell you that. We must seek God first in everything we do. We must learn not only to hear his voice, people, I want you to hear this, but to obey his voice. There's a lot of people that hear God's voice, but they don't listen to what he says. They don't do what he says. You see, overcomers do not live according to the opinion of others. They seek the face of God. Number three, if you're going to be overcome the spirit of fear, develop courage or exercise courage. When Joshua was first set in as the leader of Israel, God commanded him to be courageous. In fact, in Joshua 1, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Isn't that amazing? God said, be strong and courageous. Hold on to the word of God, and then what will happen? You'll be successful in everything you do. Four times in chapter one, God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. Why? Because he knew that Joshua would need courage to be an overcomer. It takes courage to stand against fear. But where does courage come from? You know, I could tell you, you need to be more courageous, and you'd be like, I want to. 
but I'm not feeling it. <laughs> or, or, or today, it was my courage was I got out of bed today. It happens. I've been there. So how do we grow in our courage? Well, I've already given you one way. First of all, knowing that God is with you will give you courage. But secondly, it also comes by being strengthened by God's word. That we know the word. You see in Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9, a little farther down in the beginning chapter, he said this to him, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, and you'll be sure to, and be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. It's the word of God. We need to build our lives on the word of God. We need to pour more of the word of God inside of us. Jesus did not defeat the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days because of his great intellect. He didn't defeat the devil because of his, even his divinity. How he defeated him was because he knew the word of God. He quoted the word of God. He stood on the word of God. He spoke the word of God. We've got to declare the word of God. Some of you, God wants you to start declaring the word of God over your life, declaring the word of God over your situation. If you're not sure what to deal with, to do, get with somebody that will help you find scripture that will go against what the enemy is trying to say to you so that you can have courage and boldness to stand up against fear. What are you facing right now? What is causing your heart to be troubled? Discover what the Bible says and lean on it. It will not only give you strength to stand, but the courage to overcome. Hallelujah. You are an overcomer. If I can have our keyboard player come up here, I'm going to share my last thought today. How do we overcome fear? Number four, we got to step out of our comfort zone. We got to learn how to step out of our comfort zone. We have to refuse to live in the zone of what if? What if? Well, if I do this, well, what if I, this happens to me? What if that person doesn't like me anymore? Uh, what if I, uh, if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if that relationship is bad like the last one? What if, what if? All of these things can get us into a place where we live in debilitating fear, but I want to change your negative what if into a positive what if. What if, what if God is going to give you victory? What if God's going to help you to reach your friend or your neighbor? What if God is going to give you deliverance over those things that you struggle with? What if God now is preparing you for something more? What if God has got a greater future and destiny for you? What if? But what I know is you won't get there unless you make that move, unless you step out from where you are today. You see, fear can leave us in a place where we're afraid to make decisions. Living in the land of indecision or inaction leads to a life of insecurity. As a leader, (laughs) I have learned this principle the hard way. I've experienced things in my life that I didn't need to experience because I froze instead of actually stepping out where God was asking me to step out. You know what I've learned? This in life. It's a principle. A good idea that is acted upon is better than a great idea that never happens. 
You know, sometimes we're waiting for that perfect idea, that perfect thought, or for everything to be perfectly lined up. And what God is saying is you need to step out. I'm going to repeat that again. A good idea that is acted upon is better than a great idea that never happens. Overcomers get past their fear of failure. In fact, they embrace failure as part of growth. That as I do things, I'm going to make some mistakes, but God's going to help me and strengthen me. And he's going to be there for me. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I want to say this today. You are an overcomer. God has called you to overcome whatever is being thrown at you in your life right now, that you are not to be controlled by fear, but you are to take control of fear. You are to stomp on fear. You are to laugh at fear because God has called you to go into new territory. I believe that we're entering a new season in the church day. I believe that he's calling us to a place of believing him and stepping out and walking with him. It's time to take some ground. But maybe you're here today and maybe you're struggling with fear. You're dealing with it right now. You feel like it's controlling you, like it's squeezing on you. You're afraid to move. You always feel like something's holding you back. But today I believe this. God wants to give you the freedom to overcome. That God wants to help you understand that as you lean, learn that he's with you, as you fear him or put him first, that as you develop courage and step out, today is a new day for you. And I just want to pray for people, whether you're online or you're here with us today in the, in the live audience, I just want to pray that God would break off of all of us any areas of fear in our life. Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch us, you would free us, you would work out your your, your, your nature inside of us, Father God. I plead the blood of Jesus into this room today, Father God, that it would just break every place that, that is trying to hold people back where they're afraid or they're unsure or they're not quite sure what's happening. God, would we put our trust in you, Father, the author and the finisher of our faith? Would we trust you to work things out for us? Lord, would we not be motivated by what we see but Lord, will we live by what we can't see? It's you. Lord, will we allow ourselves to be led by you? Lord, I pray for courage to rise up in people's hearts. Lord, there'd be new courage that would rise up. Courage to face new challenges. Courage is to take those steps. Courage to do what you've called them to do. I see people getting saved. I see people being set free. I believe God is, we're on the cusp of some incredible things, an incredible move of God. So get ready for it. Don't be afraid. Jump into the river of God. Trust God today. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're listening today. Maybe you're listening today and you have not made a decision to make Jesus the center of your life. I believe God's here for you. And I believe God wants to encourage you today. And if you haven't made that decision, I, in this moment, would you just pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me, 
Help me to become like you. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life.